Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Conan Kruger. That's Larry Kruger. I'm Grant Cohn. Today we're talking about a lot of topics, quarterbacks, obviously. We're, the title of the show is The Pros and Cons of the Niners Culture. Emphasis on pros as well as cons. I'm trying my best over the next, next six weeks to be less divisive and bring these <laughs> warring Niner fans together because we have the rest of the season to be divisive. So I'm trying to find some middle ground here. We'll talk pros and cons. We're not going to get to quarterbacks yet. I want to ask Larry a, a pop quiz question. Larry, yes. name the player on the 49ers defense who faces the most pressure this year. Not prepared um, for this question. Right off the top of your head. Most pressure this year, Drake Jackson. Drake Jackson. Drake Why? Jackson, because he has to go from, he didn't even, he wasn't even active the last game, you know, in the playoffs or with the last month or so of the season. And now, unless they add somebody of significance, he has to shoulder the starting job opposite Nick Bosa. And he looks great, but it's a tall ask, right? Yeah, it's a great one. Um, and if it's not him, then it'll be someone else who doesn't have as much hype. I'm going to go with someone else. What How about got? Javon Hargrave? Okay. Great player. Yes. But... He hasn't done anything for the 49ers yet. And the way Niner fans and his teammates will feel about him is based on what he does now from now going forward. And if he doesn't have a good year this year, he's making all this money. People are going to look at him as, you know, D Ford Quan Alexander. So I fully expect him to be good, but he still has to have that good first impression. And if he has a season this year like Armstead has last had last year, Niner fans are going to be like WTF Javon. Which could happen. Twenty nine. He's got a very interesting build, and it's like if you watch his build, you look, you think, well, maybe he's out of shape, but he's actually moves incredibly well yes. at, with that build, and that it's kind of a little bit more like Stubblefield. Remember, Stubblefield had that build, but was an awesome pass rusher. Hargrave is kind of a lot, very along the lines, same lines. I mean, he's got a huge, huge legs, huge, carries a ton of weight, uh, lower body wise. I mean, he's he's got the widest knee you're ever going to see. Um, and then, um, but yeah, he secured the bag and the expectations are high and they let some really good players go to, to, uh, create that room for him. And now he's got to make it all worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, he, he, as good as he is, as much as the Niners talk him up, he's only gone to one pro bowl in his career. Not that the pro bowl is the end all be all, but still, I mean, he hasn't been like this consistent elite player, uh, in the league, although he has reached some, some heights. Anyone else? There was one more person I wanted to... Oh, I got one. And this is got? a guy I like a lot. He's a young player. He's cool to cover. It's nothing personal. But I do think there's a lot of pressure on this player. Talanoa Hufunga. That's a good, yeah, I was thinking the same okay. thing. That's he a had good a really one. good year last year, but he was he got the all-pro on it. It almost might have been a little too much. Teams are going to be coming after him this year. Not that they weren't last year, but he's got to do it again. Yeah. And, he, and, and, you know, it's weird. It's like... He played really great in the first month, and and some of them were high-profile games, and so he got a lot of the love that you know that you know you I was a little it was a little surprising, and if you watched him all year, you know he fell off in the second half of the year. He fell off tackles. He was not nearly as reliable. Um, so yeah, I mean I love Hafanga. I think he's a culture player. I think he's one of the he's going to have to take a leadership role. But yeah, yep. he is going to be thought of as a premier player. And, you know, I mean, he's got, there's some nice traits. I don't know if he's a premier player. But to your point, he's also being looked at. Don't just 
be a premier player. Like he's expected to improve, but not just improve, but be a leader too. Basically, be Fred Warner. Fred Warner was good as a second-year player, great as a third-year player. Do that, Talanoa. And I think he has it in him, but that's a lot of pressure. If he just stays the same, people might look at him differently. Well, and what I... If you watch him running around out there, he looks bigger and stronger, but that's not, in my opinion, where he needed to go with his body. I thought he needed to be you know, quicker, faster, leaner, and he looks bigger, stronger, like he's carrying more weight in the upper body. That that's great. You know, you'll do a lot of lifting in the offseason, but man, he's playing a spot where, you know, his strength is his strength, I think. His his um his weakness is his coverage ability. So I was hoping that he would kind of look quicker, faster, more explosive. Instead he looks a little bigger, a little bit more yoked. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, well, the Niners are set at strong safety. Like, I still think he needs to prove himself one more time. Hargrave is a proven vet, even if he's just a one-time Pro Bowl. Like, Talanoa has had one good year. So let's see if he can back it up um, like Fred Warner has, like Dre Greenlaw has, like Traverius Ward has, and Hargrave and Armstead and Bosa, everyone. So it, 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 Fungus has to do it twice. Um, and, it, yeah. you know, we always talk about Gibson losing his job to Jair Brown, but the reality is is that Brown can play in the box or down the field. And if Hafanga doesn't play well you. and Jair plays well and Thank Gibson you. plays well, Hafanga could wind up not even starting on this team. Correct. I think that's very real. I think Brown could absolutely play strong safety in this scheme. And if we're being honest, I mean, the way I felt last year, the better safety on the Niners last year, to me, was Gibson. Maybe he was just in the right place at the right time, but I thought Hafunga went through stretches where he was playing hero ball. I think D'Amico called it that and was hurting the defense. So maybe Hafunga will be better than Gibson this year. He should be. But yeah, uh, a lot of pressure on him. Weary Nut says, bum, they haven't signed to Core Pearson. Me too. I know. I, I saw that he worked out. I put that out there. Um, I, was, I, I told him, I said, because uh, I, I, I connected with him and I'm like, hey, man. If you if you make the team, if they sign you, um, let's come on the show and and we'll do a little stream. He's like, yeah, I'm down for it. Then he had the workout, and I haven't heard if they're going to sign him or not. But it would be nice. I mean, they don't really need a guy there. They just cut Shea Wyatt, right, Grant? For yeah, uh, for the extra defensive end. And Shanahan's line was, we were deep at wide receiver, so were they going to go add Pearson? But he is a difference maker, speedster, and I'm not really worried about his. Um, his diminutive size. I'd rather have a guy like that who gets separation. Sounds like he's probably going back to the XFL, unfortunately, but I wouldn't bet against him. seems like he is a good professional wide receiver and he's going to keep proving it. All right. More predictions or projections. Give me the surprise cut at the end of training camp for the 49ers. The one player that's not going to make the 53. That's going to have Niner fans saying what? Yeah. Um, gosh, this is tough. This is really tough because I I think, you know, it's it's not readily apparent. But I'm going to say Oren Burks because Oren Burks. Wow. Is, I know. Oren Burks. I wasn't expecting played, that at all. I know. He's played well. He's played I well. I think he's going to start. I know. I know. There's a lot of people that feel like he's going to start in Aziz's spot. But yeah. I don't think it's going to be about that. I think okay. it's going to be about keeping your inventory of young talent. And I think Graham and Marcelino and Winters are all higher upside young talents. And you're covered on special teams with cheaper guys like Curtis Robinson and Flanagan Fowles. 
Mm. And I could see Burks being a surprise cut because of cap call. cap reasons. It's a good call. Yeah. How about another third round pick? Danny Gray. A little, little word for Danny. Because the way I look at it is that if they keep just five wide receivers, then he has to beat out Ronnie Bell and Tay Martin. Those two right there. And from what Same I've seen so far, too. Same kind of yeah. thing money-wise. It's, yeah. it's It becomes cheaper guys. Chris yeah. Conley. So I'm not sure. I'm not saying he... He just... He doesn't look good enough. So I, he's... Fat. The, the speed is legit. Yeah. But he's oh, a body huge. catcher. He's a body catcher. I, I don't think you can trust... You could trust him. I just don't think you could trust him to catch the ball. Period. I, I think they're going to... I think he'll make it because of his... What he gives the team but i i would say this as far as i mean he gives them a vertical threat and he gives them a space creating take the top off the defense i'll say this i i do see the the uh the position as crowded and i do see that being a primary position for a big name guy to go but i wouldn't to me i would think it might be ray ray over danny gray but i could see one of the i think both those guys are going to have a really really hard time making the team unless there's an injury or they trade Jawan Jennings because, um, you know, Jawan Jennings might be on that list too, just because, uh, you know, Jawan, there's guys here in Ronnie Bell and Tay Martin that theoretically could take Jawan's possession receiver role. And he's a free agent at the end of the year. And I don't think there's any chance they're going to sign him long-term. I think he's probably more coveted. He hasn't looked great in practice, but that to me means nothing. He's more of a game day guy than a practice player. He's not a practice player. He's a money player. He's like a Draymond Green kind of a guy. Who? Uh, Jawan. Jawan. I think. Yeah, Juwan's yeah, like, but in the same, editor. but at the same time, he, he his career drop percentage is like twelve, which is way too high for a possession yeah. receiver. Yep. So he, at a certain point, he needs to cut that out. And the last mini camp day we were at, he dropped two passes that I were know. right to him. It's like year four for him, man. Come on. It's obviously concentration. I mean, he has, he makes really difficult catches. So make the easy ones, man. Just look the ball in your hands. You're 25, it's also about 26. Money. It's also about money because, I mean, yeah. Juwan makes a lot more money than Ronnie Bell and, and Tate yeah. Martin. And if those guys look good, and I expect they will because they both have great ball skills, and they look, you know, comparable, they may just say, you know what? Here's an area we can cut our payroll. Yeah. Um, that being said with Jennings, I feel like he's the kind of guy who could get cut or have an amazing year. He could just all of a sudden get it and stop dropping the ball and become one of the 49ers, not his, not, not just their secret weapon, but someone who like leads them in touchdown catches for a season. He, he could be that guy. He just needs to be a little bit more serious. I feel like, I feel like these drops are just a hundred percent focus, just a totally. little more serious. Yeah. I'm not, I'm a little blocker. I don't even sweat yeah. him in practice because yeah. he, I mean, think about it. Was it Green Bay, Grant, and and Dallas where he had those out pattern, you know? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. if, if the yeah. Niners are on fourth and five yeah. with their season on the you line trust him. and they trust go him. to Juwan Jennings, I'm not questioning it. Not surprised. Not also, it. doesn't it seem like in these, those gotta have it moments, Kyle Shanahan is more likely to call a play for Jennings than, say, Brandon Ayuk? I, I'll say this too. I love Debo. I think Debo's an awesome player. I'd much rather have Debo than Jennings. But if it comes down to I gotta throw it on fourth down with the season on the line to Jennings in a crowd or Debo in a crowd, I'm throwing it to Jennings. 
in a crowd. I, think the, I mean, there's no question. Kyle feels that way too. The question is, would you rather throw it to Jennings or Ayuk? To me, I would rather throw to Ayuk 10 out of 10 times, but Kyle yeah. trusts Jennings, loves Jennings, calls him the best route runner on the team. Like, that's disrespectful to Brandon Ayuk. Kyle is so disrespectful to Brandon. No, he's not. But it's, at the same time, he just doesn't give him his flowers. Maybe he'll give him his money one day, although I'm curious. I think, I think Kyle holds the offensive skill position guys, most notably the quarterback, the running backs, and the receivers, to really, really high standards. I mean, you've heard him talking about running backs. Hey, this that was a great run. Yeah, it was blocked for six. He got six. You know what I mean? It's like he, he's got an yeah. idea of what it should be. But to call get. Jennings a better route runner than Ayuk is just wrong. So it's like either you're playing favorites or you're trying to piss off Brandon Ayuk, which is maybe a legitimate coaching tactic because he plays well when he's angry. So maybe Kyle's just pissing him off. Like, hey, Jennings is better than you, even though he's not. You well, you know what? We got a glimpse at that this week. I thought that was the biggest takeaway. We could do a whole live stream on just Debo's presser where he's like, yeah, I sat with Shanahan and we both decided I was crappy, you know what I mean? Or whatever, how, whatever yeah, word he used. Fair enough. But yeah. I mean, in a way I Awful. loved it, right? Because I'm yeah. like, wow, you know what? Here's a great player who wants to challenge himself to be even that much greater. Right. But I could also picture Kyle saying, you sucked here and you sucked here. You weren't good at this. Do you want to keep he, going? He, Do you yeah, he graduates. Yeah. He grades out the receivers harshly because he played the position. He understands the nuances and and he yeah. wants to make He's sure He's essentially that the a wide receiver coach by trade. He's essentially right. a wide receiver coach by trade. Yeah. That's, that's the one that's, position yeah. where he could hammer in on the tiny little details and get you. Okay, let's talk trade lands. Let's talk quarterback. So no trade for Trey Lance in the draft. No trade for Trey Lance during OTAs and minicamp. In a sense, it makes sense. Like, even if a team were interested and Trey wanted it, how can the Niners in good conscience move him until Brock is back, back on the field in practice playing? So let's fast forward into a land and a time where Brock Purdy is on the practice field. Let's say it's... Late August, early September, whenever. It's going to happen eventually. Brock Purdy's going to be fully cleared. He's going to be practicing. It's going to be two, three weeks that he's been on the field getting a lather, and he's going to feel confident and ready whenever that is, August, September, October. Eventually that day's coming. Will the Niners trade Trey Lance at that point? What do you think? I mean, it's it's such a weird situation. It's I mean, I, I don't know what to make of this situation because, I mean, what is – if you're not going to move them at some point, what are you going to do with them? You know, it's like, are you, are you going to date the girl? Or are you going to break up with the girl? You know what I mean? It's like, are you going to, you just going to hold them there? You really think the Niners think about, care about these quarterbacks feelings at this point. I think it's pretty clear. They don't care about their feelings. <laughs> is it, is, 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 don't is call he, me. I'll call you. Okay. Don't pop insured? over. <laughs> yeah. No popovers. Don't pop over. I'm going to call you. Okay. <laughs> but is he insurance? I mean, can you say you love a player and then keep him as insurance at this point? I do they even say they love him or do they say they like who like the guy he is? You, we've talked about yeah, that, right? No, they I love know, the guy I he know. is. I, I think know, he is I, insurance, Larry. I think I you're right. I will say this, though. I mean, I, I know this, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put my, my head around this thing, trying to get my, trying to get my understanding of where do, how do I actually feel about this? Where is this going? And I went and looked at every Hall of Fame quarterback and they all started slow, Grant. I mean, for mm. every Marino or Russell or Brady or Mahomes, there's like the rest of the Hall of Famers all were not good initially. And then when you look at Trey's 
first couple of years, not only does it not look bad, it looks yeah, pretty true. good. It looks yeah. pretty good. Go yeah, look especially at, compared to other quarterbacks who are 21 and 22. Yeah. You know Go look at, it looks pretty good compared yeah. to there's all kinds yeah. of guys um who who didn't weren't good initially that became yeah. good. So it became Cousins. great, became Hall of Famer. Kirk Cousins, not Hall of Famer, but he wasn't I mean, good but initially. He wasn't really I'm good until he was 27. Hall of Famers. I mean, talking about the best quarterbacks Steve that ever Young. played the game. Steve Young. Steve Young. Joe Montana was Joe Montana six. wasn't great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so so I I I for that reason I'd be too afraid to move Lance. Yeah. But there the one thing that's that the Niners have going on here that those teams didn't have is the cap. So then right. the question is how long can you keep Trey on your cap? And so how does that work? So he what's he pulling this year? Cuz it's going to be significantly more next year, right? Yeah, it's 10, but it, it, but if you get rid of him, I think you only I think you save about 3.7 million dollars against the cap this year if you get rid of him. But the rub is that Let's say Brock misses any time and Sam Darnold starts some games, then he would trigger some bonuses and you might end up having to pay him more money. So there's not necessarily a financial reason Component. to get rid yeah. of Trey Lance at this point. I uh, think the only way I, I'm moving, I'm yeah, the only way I'm moving Trey Lance is if Purdy is healthy, Darnold and Allen are operating your system well, and Trey looks like Isn't. he's regressing yeah. or yeah. Um, just, just plateauing if he's, if he's and that not, hasn't happened yet. No, no, it hasn't no. happened yet. I think no. to, in my mind, and I went back and looked at my notes and, and my, and went through some of the stuff that I, you know, that I read other people's evaluations and looked at what I looked at and the video that I shot. I think Trey Lance does look a little bit improved. Now it's all kind of hollow because it's practice. We've but seen six me, practices. No, we've seen me, four. Four. Yeah, but I mean, it, the ones that I, I mean, the one that it's funny how his ball that hit the back wall went viral, but his dimes right. have not gone viral where right. I feel like in the past, his, right. his errant throws True. were nowhere to be found and his right. dimes were everywhere. You looked right. And that to me sounds like orchestration, but right. I won't go that there as much as just what I saw. The one pass that I thought I was like, wow, now there's growth. And I might have been standing right next to you. It was a, it was like a third and eight ball, and he yep. threw it kind of mid end zone to the left between a sea of hands. But it was oh, yeah. just had loft, and it was perfect. Yeah. And it was the Conley. kind of throw that he just did not make last year. Yeah. And yeah. to me, a that quick was stroke, the growth. It had touch. It was layered. That, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So he yeah, was. You've seen doing that too. That. Like his his short throws, the stuff behind the line of scrimmage, and the stuff in the like the zero to ten range. It's coming out. Much softer and yeah, also he's, quicker. He's, yeah, exactly. Well, he's yeah. he. It's it's timing, touch, accuracy. He's taking a little off. We didn't see that last year. We saw hard, harder, harder, yep. and yep. rockets in the flat, rocket line drives. Um, now we're seeing layered throws. Also, the motion's better. The yeah. the the ball is better. I mean, I I I you know the, that wobble. He his he doesn't throw any more wobbles than any other mm -hmm. quarterback out there. Um, yeah. In this in this game, I, in Sam this Darnold game. has his fair share of wobbles too. No one talks yeah. about it. And though. so does Allen. I thought Allen right. had probably the most wobbly ball in the last minicamp. Um, so it doesn't his his ball doesn't stand out as not a good ball. He's throwing more accurately. He's he's layering the ball and has greater greater touch. Now I don't know about timing because that part 
is more of a game situation type right. thing. But the touch is clearly improved. The motion is cleaned up. And also, he just he's has less plays that end with him running. You know, that's also something I'm looking for. I don't want to see him with the ball in his hands at the end. We know he can run five yards and run out of right. bounds. I want to right. see him get it out of his hand to a receiver. The only thing or that a I'm check not down see- guy. One of the only, two. Yeah. Right. The only thing I didn't yeah. see that I wanted to see is I see he still looks relatively inaccurate when the when he's on the move. And that's the one thing I'd like to I saw, you know, the times that I've seen him miss guys high, low, in, out, it's on the move. So I think that that's another nuance that he needs to work on. But there's definite improvement. And now it's just a matter of can he carry it through to the preseason? What does it look right. like? Can he sustain drives, score points? And I fully expect, since he looks a lot better, that he's going to be able to, you know, to lead this offense and score points. So, you know, if he plays right. well, other teams will want him, but maybe the Niners will want him more. If he plays poorly, maybe other teams won't want him, but maybe the Niners will be looking to just cut bait to, if, the right. other, if the other quarterbacks play, play really well or kind of well. So there's a lot of dynamics at play here, but I definitely think we're seeing an improved player. And I think I would like I would not be surprised, Grant, if we get to the preseason and all of the quarterbacks play pretty well. And then okay. like the okay. idea that like guys are <laughs> going to play really poorly. I don't know that we're going to see that. I think we're going to see the Niner quarterbacks play well and make it a very hard decision. OK, so even if they start Brock Purdy week one and they like Trey, like even if he's improving, he's more confident, everything you just said is true. They still decide to go with Brock week one off a of very little offseason. And tra- let's say Trey isn't happy with that and goes to the Niners and says, look, guys, I've been a nice guy. Please, pretty please, privately, trade me. Come on, you want Brock? Great, trade me. I still don't think the Niners can do it. I think they can say, look, man, we love you. We'd love to make you happy, but that's not in our best interest. Because even though we prefer Brock to you, We don't know that Brock can stay healthy for more than eight games. We don't know that we can keep any of our quarterbacks healthy. We don't have a great offensive line, and we lost our right tackle, and now we got his backup starting. So, sorry. If you don't want to be here, sorry. There's a high likelihood that you're going to start some games this year, so just hang tight. I think, and I don't know that he has requested a trade, but if that comes to pass, I think that's what the Niners have to say. Like, we can't trade you. We need you as our backup quarterback, even if we like Brock better than than you because we still don't even know that much about Brock. I mean, they've they have they have um, buffered themselves with so many options now at quarterback that it's not like they have to go with him. But to me, it's even beyond that. Whether he asks for a trade, it's what are you getting in return? You better be able to look your fans in the eye and say that we have a better chance to win the Super Bowl because of this trade than right. we did before the trade. And right. since he is gives you something, right? He either gives right. you an insurance policy on Brock. That means that somebody coming back, whatever's coming back better be like in the minds of nine out of 10 Niner fans makes you better. Like it better be right. Montez Sweat. It better right. be Chase Young. It better be somebody that like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And you're or, not going to get that. You're going to get a draft pick. You get a draft pick. And if every Niner pick, fans know you just went through four quarterbacks last year. So getting rid of one of them and saying Brandon Allen will step up, no one, no Niner fan wants to hear that, so it's not going to happen. Maybe to Trey Chagrin, sorry. But again, what I would say to Trey, if he was privately feeling a little down, like, hey, I don't even have a chance. They're going to just rush this Brock back, and he doesn't even have to compete, and he's going to start. 
yeah, it's messed up, man. It's not fair. But you know what? You're probably going to start at some point this year. So be ready. Be ready. It could be week two. It could be week 13. Jimmy was ready. Brock was ready. Was ready. Now you got to be ready. And you don't know when that week is coming, but you just know it's coming. That's it. You, that's it. You, you got to have, you, you bet, you know, you, you need options. You can't just uh, move off of a play of a no. quarterback like this. If no. you, because if you move off of them for nothing, if you're saying you're really talking about a draft pick, well, here comes the criticism. Look what you invested. Look what yeah. you got. If you move oh. off of them for a difference making edge rusher and that guy goes sure. and has a great year, nobody's going to care happen. at the end of the year if Montez sweats right. a free agent or Chase Young, you know. It's all about winning the Super Bowl. It's about looking your right. fans in the eye. I don't think you can right. do it if you just hand them out, hand them over. Okay, let's talk uh, Purdyus again. Alex Rollins made a very compelling video. Yeah, it was good. Essentially saying that Purdy mania is Jimmy Garoppolo mania five years later, and he laid out all the similarities. They were staggering. There are some differences as well, which he got into. Maybe he undersold them. Overall, it was an outstanding video. What were your major takeaways? Um, I really liked it. I, I mean, I, I liked how um, you know he he how thorough he was, and to me, some of the information in there was really really good. I didn't feel like he had a an agenda. I, feel, I felt like he gave positives and negatives. I felt balanced. Right. You know what I mean? It didn't feel like propaganda. It felt like a balanced video. I like that. I thought it was which is really, hard to do in this debate, right? Yeah, it's and hard also, to do. You know, let's be honest. I mean, if you're really anti Shanahan and Shanahan's like, you know, Shanahan's overrated, this video kind of flew in the face of that because it kind of made it seem like Shanahan was one of the main reasons that Purdy and Garoppolo have had such success in the intermediate part of the field. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting, but I think there was also some things that like when you really look closely at what he was saying there, um, he was making a lot of comparisons and there are a lot of similarities. I don't think like, I, you know, I think, I guess if you're of the notion that Jimmy's a, a, a quarterback that ranks between 20 and 30 and Brock's like one of the best, then this would pump, you'd pump the brakes and be like, maybe Brock's not as good as I think. Maybe Jimmy's not as bad as I think. But if you're like me, I kind of viewed them as similar with Brock being better. Like I, I think Jimmy's like a, 15 to 20 range guy um, with some credentials because he was on some good teams. I think Brock's more like a 12 to 15 kind of guy who's got top 10 potential. If he continues to ascend, you know, so I, to me, I see them very similar anyway, um, but similar, but there's some parts of Purdy's game that are far better. And I thought that he kind of minimized those, while point highlighting the the similarities, for example, one guy costs you nothing, and the other guy costs a ton. And this is a cap sport, so the cheaper quarterback means you have a better roster around that quarterback. So that's a factor. I mean, the cheaper quarterback's more valuable in today's NFL. That's one that makes Brock more valuable. I think Brock's accuracy makes Brock more valuable. I think Brock's mobility and escape ability to extend plays with his legs makes him a totally different quarterback than Jimmy. And in many ways, I think that's what makes a great quarterback. A great quarterback is that pocket mobility, escape ability, extend the play, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Brock, I think, does that so much better than Jimmy. Um, 
And then I think Brock, believe it or not, I mean, I think Jimmy's got a better arm than Brock, but Brock was a better thrower down the field last year and outside the numbers. I think what we had been seeing the last couple of years, Grant, and I think you and I have discussed this, that Jimmy's downfield passing game had eroded to virtually nothing and was starting to frustrate Shanahan, I'm sure. I also think of Brock as kind of a smarter player and a better competitor and really a lot better at analyzing risk-reward. Um, and that's, I think, another major element of playing quarterback. And I think the biggest one is that, you know, Jimmy would throw in the bonehead plays. Brock's, I think, better at avoiding. He's more patient, avoids negative plays better. And then, of course, the six-year age difference. You know, they they were very similar in all these categories. But like a double-A, if you talk to a baseball scout, hey, you got two guys in double-A. They both have identical stat- stats. One guy's 26. The other guy's 19. The 19-year-old is better than the 26-year-old just by the fact that he's 19 at the same age. I I see them as similar last year, but Brock obviously being quite a bit younger. So I, I thought it was a really, really good video. I, I, I didn't even, I hadn't even heard of Rollins, uh, to be honest, before that. Um, and I know he's not perfect. I mean, he thought that Kinlaw was better than, uh, uh, you know, Buckner. And so nobody's perfect on these things. But overall, I thought it was one of the best 49er comp videos I've seen this offseason for sure. What'd you think? Yeah, what I thought was really interesting that he found was the passing charts for each quarterback. Like we colors, know they're different, the colored but like charts. essentially their passing charts are the same, which was very interesting. They play in the same yeah. offenses. Obviously, Kyle's calling the plays, but when the ball leaves their hand, it's very similar. What's different about him is how you how they deliver it. And what, to me, I, and maybe the numbers don't bear this out, but I think they will over their careers. I would look at Brock Purdy as the better play action quarterback. Because you can roll him left, you can roll him right. Um, he throws well on the run. He's quick. Like I think he's a really good play action quarterback. When the biggest element of that, not to interrupt you, the biggest element of that though was when, and, and this was noticeable, when Jimmy turned his back on the defense, when he flipped around, he literally needed a second and a half to recalibrate where everybody was and what speed right. they were at. Where when you saw Purdy flip it around, he's flipping it around in motion. Like he knows exact that pass that he threw to Kittle on the blitz, the the zero blitz up the middle. That was a blind look. And he Purdy's so much faster coming when he turns back around to get rid of the football. Yes. Purdy's a much better play action quarterback than Jimmy. Jimmy's not a particularly good play action quarterback for the reason you just said. And also, you can't roll him out left or right. He's too slow. So you can't change the launch point for is really no point doing it with Jimmy Garoppolo. He doesn't even want to do it. But straight shotgun uh, drop back passing. I think I'd still take Jimmy. He's got a quicker release. He's taller. I think he has a stronger arm. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a little bit more zip to fit it in between tighter windows. So that doesn't mean more, he's more a better quarterback. Thrower. More, but yeah, it more doesn't mean talented. he's a better quarterback than Brock. It just means they're different. Like that, That's more the one area where thrower. I would take Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. And Jimmy did play action yeah. off the... Off the, um, the off, the, RPO. off the shotgun, better yeah. because he could do it while while keeping his eyes downfield. He didn't have to turn because off the shotgun they would do a lot of that f- almost fake the shuffle, the shovel pass. Okay, um, and so, so, so he here's did, the here's the stat I wanted to give you. Good. So 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 last year Jimmy out of the shotgun was uh, his quarterback rating was 102. Brock Purdy out of the shotgun his quarterback rating was 96. Like not bad, like still good. But to me, like, look, look at Purdy's uh, splits. Under center, his quarter, his completion percentage was almost 79. From the shotgun, it was 63. So under center on play action in this scheme, 
Purdy's dynamite for what he can do on the run. But still, like when you take all that away and it's just drop back, shotgun, throw, like I still think he's pretty right in the middle when it comes to starting quarterbacks. I'm not trying to take a shot. I'm just saying he's pretty average among starters from just straight drop back, shotgun. I think that's because of his size and his arm. I mean, come on. That's all. That's it. And, but, and it, you know, yeah. all of it is a small sample size. Yeah. To me, you know, when you really look at the f- struggles of these other rookies, um, it, it does paint a, a, you know, if you're comparing Bar- Garoppolo, who I thought played his best football in a Niner uniform last year, to, you know, Purdy. Yeah. But, but we're still looking at Purdy's first year. Right. Right. Who any and then let's be honest about this. He didn't play for three months between right. starts. I mean, I mean, not starts between playing time. Played at the end of the preseason. Didn't play again till first week in December. So right. I gotta think that with an off season of learning and mental reps, even though he didn't do the physical reps, I gotta think that there'll be some smoothing out and improvement in his game. Maybe not. Maybe there'll be an adjustment from the defense to what he does well. Well, there's uh, both. It's but, always a it's a race. Yeah, it's a con- he's improving. Right. Oh, the defense is improve. It's always a race. That's what I love about pro sports. But the question is with him is like, how much more can you improve? I I don't question his drive or his or, or his. He's going to do what it takes. But you know, can you stretch out your arm to get it? You know, like can you do that? I don't know. If because I he's good at so many things already. His weaknesses are things that you wonder whether he can physically improve. Um. But and and then how do teams defend him? Exactly. How, do, we'll do do we see a different we'll style of defense this year to try to force him to right. go down yeah. the field? Right. Because a dink and dunk quarterback, I mean, is such is essentially someone like if the defense is going to play single high and play press coverage and they're what they what they're giving you, if you want to take what the defense is giving you against that coverage, it's the deep throw down the, down the sideline, right? So you have to be willing to take that if they're giving it to you, if they're daring you to throw it. And we haven't really seen defenses do that much to the because he hasn't played that much. So we'll see. We'll see what he does. I mean, I, I was looking up Joe Montana highlights um, because everyone says, you know, he didn't really throw deep very much. This is true, but he did sometimes. If dared, he could hit Jerry Rice over the top down the sideline. I mean, you can find those highlights. So he, Brock Purdy has to be able to do it. You don't have to do it every game, but it, if called upon. So we'll see. I don't know that he can't. I don't know that he can't. We'll see. We, we and 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 we don't and you know here's the weird thing the Brock Purdy that we saw last year was not the Brock Purdy that I saw on the film when I, I watched Iowa State. Iowa State. He had quite a bit of better arm last year with the Niners than he ever right. showed at That's Iowa true. State. So where does it go true. from here? Post surgery, yeah. but he's working on his mechanics. He's he's getting older. He's getting a little stronger. He's getting a little bit more yeah. knowledgeable. But I mean. Yeah, there's a lot of factors here. Some make them worse. Some make them better. Some make them stronger. Some could make them weaker. You know, we just got to see what it looks like in, in July and August, or maybe probably more likely August and September. Yeah. Uh, I just, just feel like September. one thing that, that Rollins could have pointed out in terms of differences, there's a huge difference between the play action game with Jimmy and with Brock. And you know, when you talk about Kyle makes gets receivers wide open, yeah, on play action passes, because his run game is so good and his play action passes look just like the runs for the first second and a half of the play. Everyone knows that. He does a great job of that. But his drop back passing game is they don't even practice it hardly. They think they're always going to be winning and leading. It's not something they want to do very much. So that's why people are getting open. It's why Brock is so uh, such a good fit. But 
at some point in the season, you're going to be down 10 in the shotgun. But, you know, it's, the Niners don't even have the offensive line to pull that off. So let's not even talk about it. Anyway, the coach says, Larry, what consequences are you ready to administer to the coaching staff if we end <laughs> the year with yet another hurt quarterback, no Super Bowl to show for it? Good question. I Coach, I, it, it would definitely have to be how, right? I mean, did the quarterback get himself hurt? Or did was it was a poor blocking scheme? If you're asking Ross Dwelly to block Miles Garrett and he blows past him and throws him away like tissue paper and sacks the quarterback, yeah, we're gonna have to have a real hard discussion about that because that's in my opinion, negligence. Um, but you know, it's, it's a is it negligence or is it aggressiveness? You know what I mean? If uh if if any of the Niner quarterbacks is the starter and all of a sudden you know, peel off down the middle of the field and try to run over, you know, a linebacker and get dislocated shoulder. I'm not blaming the coaches for that, right? I mean, I'll give you an example. Go back to the Arizona game a couple of years ago when Trey took on Isaiah Simmons at the goal line. If Trey takes on Isaiah Simmons at the goal line, that ain't on Shanahan. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, if Shanahan tries to block um, the best defensive ends in the game with Ross Dwelly, that is on Shanahan. And so it really d- kind of depends on how it, how it goes. So if right? Trey gets hurt, it's on Trey. But if Brock gets hurt, it's on Shane. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? If anybody gets hurt, but they're taking on D linemen and trying to run them over, that's on them. But if the blocking didn't you coach him the slide, is- coach? Didn't you coach him to get out of, to get out of <laughs> bounds, coach? I mean, didn't you talk to him about scrambling, coach? Or is that something you uh, <laughs> told Jeff Christensen to talk to him about? To me, I feel like Kyle Shanahan's gotten a lot of leeway and patience and grace at this quarterback position because he's built a nice roster, a, an excellent roster, and I give him credit for that. But rosters come and go. They're only as strong as their weakest link on defense. Uh, injuries affect that. The constant is your quarterback. And if this guy has the same issue every single year with the injuries and the, and the, and the, the rotation, like at what point do we just say, man, you're just not really serious about this this position, and we need someone to finish the job here. You're never going to finish the job here. That would be my that would be my, my reaction if there's another repeat repeat of this. I would say, this you know, to piggyback your coach's thought, just take the quarterback injuries out of it. I think this is a Super Bowl or bust year. The 49ers have built a team to win a Super Bowl. Super Bowls are won inside your Super Bowl window. They've yep. been in this window now for four years. This would be the yep. fourth year in the window. If you don't get it done, you know, there's no ambiguity. You either do or you don't. And so if yep. they if they don't get it done, I know that sounds harsh because it's like, whoa, only one team can win the Super Bowl. But the reality is, is they're built to win. Their Super Bowl window is closing on them. Mm-hmm. I think everybody understands that. And mm-hmm. so to me, in a lot of ways, if they anything that falls short of the Super Bowl, we will be questioning. We will be questioning. And football's brutal. You don't you don't know who's last season in the NFL this is. Like you don't know who's going to get a, a, a Weston Richburg injury. You don't know who's going to miss the whole season with a torn ACL. Like these things happen all the time. It's brutal. So yeah, this is very much a Super Bowl or bust year. Um, and I mean, Detroit's crazy is, early in their window, right? But the Niners but, are but not. It, but the thing is, like they're going to win or lose a Super Bowl based on one of those three quarterbacks in that room. As good as the as good as the roster is, it's not necessarily better than it was in 2019 or 2021 or 2022. Like, it's really good, but it's a quarterback driven league. And Kyle, like, you're over here with a quarterback competition. It's cute. Well, they they've they've gone there. You know, they, 
They've gone their route. They passed on Mahomes. They passed on Watson. They were looking for Cousins. On fields. Weren't, weren't, worked into Jimmy. Now they've passed on another round of guys. Now they've they've got Trey. They've got it. They challenge themselves. They either have to develop Trey or they've got to develop Darnold. They got to develop Purdy. I mean, they got a they got an incredibly young quarterback room, and there's three prospects there of varying uh, talent levels. You know, make it happen. You know, make it happen. You got you got plenty of talent on this roster on both sides of the ball. Gizmo Maltese says, if Trey can't beat out Brock Purdy, a seventh rounder in preseason, then the hard reality is he's a bust. I like the kid, but how can we deny that? Everything about this comment makes me angry. <laughs> well, First I, of all, yeah, he's a seventh that. rounder? What is he? Is is he the guy who would have been the rookie of the year last year or a seventh rounder? First, Second of all, Brock Purdy probably isn't going to play in the preseason. Third of all, if Trey isn't as good as Brock Purdy right now, he's a bust. I thought we thought Brock is good. Third, fifth of all, how can you call him a kid and say that you like him? He's like 23, man. Sixth of all, thank you for the comment. That was very nice of you, Gizmo. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one. Sorry. Um, the I'm 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 I gotta push back on the whole if it doesn't happen on our time frame, it's a bust. Right. There's Wait, yeah. you know, our time frame, I know we all want it, and we can put down this and that and a this date and that date. Yeah. I think if you're gonna really be honest, I mean you draft, I mean it's like anything else. If you drafted a super polished guy, that's one thing, but you didn't. Right. You no. drafted a super raw guy. So yep. to have these really short term it's Thank if you. it's not this, then he's a bust. If Thank it's you. not that, then he's a bust. Guys, I think we just need to back off. I'm, you know, I personally, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I have confidence that Trey's going to get there, but I don't have confidence that he's going to get there on my time frame or the Niner Thank time you. frame. I think he's going to get there. So, do you like him? Do you want him? Do you believe in him? Then, then see this thing to all the way through to fruition. And right. you know what? Somebody's going to get healthy and play well. We it's probably going to be Brock at the beginning of the season, but it's a long freaking year, and there are guys that improve. I mean, Josh. If Allen Brock is, has one is setback in the next two months, then it's Trey starting week one, and Brock will have to. I mean, either way. Yes, he's getting his chance. Josh Allen yeah. is a lot better today than he was. Than he was at twenty year year one and year two. Yeah. So so if you get to me, what's worse that that Trey doesn't beat out Brock in the preseason, or that you move off of Trey and he becomes a junior Mahomes? That, that's, catastrophic. that's catastrophic. Yeah. Then it, that's catastrophic. That's that's regime change time. No, oh, absolutely. Josh Wyatt says, is there a guy available that is top five in the history of the modern NFL in comp percentage rating and win percentage? Because that's the production they need to replace if they're going to run the dink and dunk Jimmy Garoppolo offense. Oh, so now are we rewriting history that Jimmy Garoppolo is tough to replace? Um, I think the thing with Brock is that we saw he can he can actually replicate Jimmy's numbers for a fraction of the price while running around. So maybe Brock, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, you're saying what quarterback in history threw underneath a lot and also won a ton of games? Is that what the Jimmy. question is? Jimmy, Steve Young. <laughs> you know yeah, Steve Young and, and and by the way if you have McCaffrey why wouldn't you throw it underneath he's saying I'm not saying Garoppolo's good it's just if that efficiency wasn't good enough maybe it's time for a different offensive philosophy at quarterback well I thought that was the whole thing like they had Jimmy for four years they got a look they didn't they, they wanted Trey a different skill set to your point then they got impatient to Larry's point and they to me sort of pivoted back to their comfort zone, which is Brock, who isn't exactly like Jimmy, but their passing charts are similar, and Kyle can call a similar game for Brock that he would call for Jimmy, just with more play action, which makes 
Kyle even happier. So, yeah, maybe. Just look at it it this way. They look at Mahomes and they look at Allen and they see guys who can succeed from the pocket and extend plays with their athleticism and make big plays with their legs uh, and, 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 and arm strength in those cases. Uh, Allen and Mahomes. I think that's what they're looking for. So they, but still think about that. I, they want a guy who can play from the pocket and something, but the, playing from the pocket, they got to have, they got to have, you can't win in the NFL. If you don't play from the pocket, now you got to play from the pocket and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Mahomes does. That's what Allen does. That's what Burrow does. That's what, Hurts and that's does. how they build Trey Lance at first. Remember when they drafted him, they were like, look, we don't do want both. We want him to. We want to develop him the right way. But then, when he got injured, all of a sudden they started using the term dual threat. They never used the term dual threat when they drafted him or sat him in year one. When he got injured running that zone read, they're like, "Well, he's a dual threat quarterback who was running." I mean, we had to run him. So my question is, how Trey much did he even want pocket. Trey Lance to? How much did he even want Trey Lance? Like, in t- I don't think Kyle Shanahan likes dual threat quarterbacks. He had RG three, who was frankly a Better dual threat quarterback prospect than Lance. Second pick in the draft. Better Heisman runner. Trophy. Four three speed. Just ama- I mean, a lot of passing reps and production. Kyle was always reluctant with him, and his idea of coaching him was saying, "Okay, you can throw a little bit, but essentially you have to run a lot." And they and then he got hurt, and then he was like, "Well, now you can't play quarterback anymore because you can't run anymore." I, I I'm just curious as to how Trey ever got on this team, but that's a story for another day, and I guess we'll never know. I, Grant, I think it makes sense when you look at the logic. Okay, the Niners are a run-heavy scheme that requires their quarterback to make certain efficient throws from the from the uh, from the pocket. Look at what Trey did at North Dakota State. He played under center, play action game heavy game plan, and they ran ran a ton. It was like 45 runs, 15 passes. So it was a run-heavy scheme, and he had to make efficient throws from the pocket. What Trey did at North Dakota State that he that I think is encouraging and I think is going to translate once we actually see it on the field and he's healthy, is he takes care of the football better than Jimmy. And I think that's why Jimmy was like so fr- – they were frustrated with Jimmy. Jimmy would th- not take care of the football. And But, but Trey know, is not a naturally turnovers. accurate thrower. Trey is no, not a naturally he, accurate thrower. And, but, and, no, and he's Kyle, not – from the pocket, Ky- right. Kyle doesn't have the ability to coach that. And he, what he said early when he got to this to this team is that he looks for naturally accurate throwers, um, not guys that have to go to clinics. Trey has to go to clinics, the best clinics, and he has to go the rest of his career. And I never thought that was the kind of quarterback Kyle Shanahan was into. He's into guys like freaking Mac Jones, who are naturally accurate. And I just wonder. He said he liked Mac. He said he liked Mac and Trey. How did he land on Trey? Is it that he changed his mind on Mac, or is it that? He met with Mac. They had a meeting, and it didn't go so well. I wonder, because we hear now that Mac's super sensitive and that Bill Belichick told his coaches, you can't criticize him. Kyle's the most negative coach in the league. He doesn't hold back. He's proud that he, you know, takes you down a peg. I mean, ask Jimmy Garoppolo about it. I don't think those two would have mixed, and I think the reason he ultimately picked Trey is a personality thing. Look at I Trey. Agree. I agree. It, it, Trey's personality. He wanted to def- coach Trey, and he felt like Trey yes. wanted to be coached by him. Yes! They like each other. I could not see Mac and Kyle. I could see Mac hating Kyle. I could see Mac hating Kyle's guts. I couldn't see them actually getting along. So I think that's what happened. He he, he traded up. He liked Mac. He met Mac. And he's like, oh, this is not going to work. This kid will not let me coach him. Trey will let me coach him. Let's give it a shot. And then he's like, I can't coach this guy. I don't know the first thing about throwing mechanics. Sorry. But and there's still time. 
the one thing that's a little frustrating to hear is that you're hearing a lot of like, hey, man, you throw the way you throw. Kyle has said that. Greasy has said that. And it's like it, it's almost like resignation. Like we can't yeah, help is. you. We cannot help you. We thought we could, but we were wrong. Jason Howard says, should we reverse psychology? Kyle into playing Trey by saying he can't win with him. Love the show. Grant, shout out Castro Valley. I love that. I actually want to do an entire show where we just reverse psychology Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> Tell him what to do by telling him what not to do. I think it might work. I love it, Jason. Papa Phil says, where are you at the game when Trey got, were you at the game? Where are you at the game? Did you see Kyle come onto the field? I didn't. Plus, he played injured Brock last year. Don't remember. I was in the um, press box. First half, Seattle. Everybody went out there, but it was mostly was, players. I don't, know. I don't remember. I don't remember. Niners also a two timeline plan. Wiseman Lance. Yes, absolutely. Essentially, what they're saying with Lance is, "Sorry, dude, you don't fit our timeline." Okay, that may be true, but if you think he's just a bust, you'd cut him, and you're not doing that because you acknowledge, as Larry pointed out, just because he doesn't fit your timeline doesn't mean he won't fit someone else's timeline, and a lot of. Hall of Fame quarterback started out slow. I got a quiz for you. Yeah. Name the Niners kryptonite on offense. The Niners offense, very talented. What would you say the number one kryptonite of that offense is? Um, you threw this one to me earlier today, so I've had some time to think about this one. And I'm coming up with, I know that you're going to you're gonna be, I think you're going to agree with me, but, okay. but it's, not what, it's not your pat answer. I think they're kryptonite offensively, is when they go up against an offensive coordinator that shows tremendous patience, hmm, because then like it, Kyle like in his and Kyle's not really in his bag if he gets to certain parts of the game. Arthur and he Smith up at the scoreboard, and there's no points. And then yeah. I think he. What's the Niner plan? The Niner plan is dominate the time of possession, run heavy scheme, efficient throws off of play action. But if you dominate the time of possession. Mm. Then suddenly you get to the second quarter, third quarter. I think there's an impatient side of Kyle that's like, let's air it out. Screw the running game. We're going to throw, 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 and throw some more. Who cares about balance? You know, so I think if you're Arthur Smith, like that Falcon game last year, I think that if you, you know, stay, keep your offense on the field, wear down the defense, and more importantly, keep Kyle all, you know, from having three or four less drives than he typically would have in a game, I think he starts to call a different game. And I don't think he's nearly as, uh, uh, you know, when you can, when you dominate the time of possession, takes away his ability to dominate the time of possession. And then it, I think that the play action game evaporates and the whole thing starts to unravel. So I'll say offensive play callers who have patience in their plan bother the Niners offense the most. That's a good answer. I think you went X's and O's. So I'm going to go Jimmy's and Joe's on this one. Let's take, let's go players. What, what Kyle has created with this offense is very talented group where they're committed to the run. They're a run first team. Stopping the run is a chore. It's the number one thing you have to do. But at the same time, you have to be able to cover McCaffrey, Debo, Ayuk, and Kittle and use check. How many teams can shut down that run game and cover all five of those eligibles on those play action plays that Kyle schemes up? It's almost impossible. But if you have a dominant defensive line, not one guy, not just Aaron Donald, but four deep, five deep, six deep, seven deep, and you can just win the trenches against the 49ers, push them around, because they're not super invested on their offensive line. Well coached on the offensive line, but not dominant. If you can just dominate in the trenches, you kind of negate all the things they do. 
and you and all of a sudden you take a high-powered offense and limit it to 19 points at home, which is what Dallas did. There's no way that team should be scoring 19 points in a game. But that's what happened because Dallas has one hell of a defensive line and got pressure like 50% of the passes, to your point. You, you mentioned that. I mean, Purdy was like perfect in that game when he didn't have pressure, but he was under constant pressure. So that's one thing. Teams with great D-lines and the Niners do not match up with, well with those teams. And how many, how many teams really are like that in the NFL? Uh, Philly. Yeah. No, no, not very many. The Washington, Niners. The Niners Washington. are one. Washington, although I mean, but they the Niners Washington. handled Washington. They handled Washington. Um, I wouldn't even put Washington in that amazing category. Amazing they beat them because they didn't have Cameron yeah. Curl that day. They didn't have Cameron Curl. <laughs> I don't even know that. But it's pretty much <laughs> Dallas. It's, it, no, it's Dallas, Philly, I'm just banging on Ted Talks yeah. Ball because he threw that out there. That's, Shout that, out Ted. Know. I love Ted. <laughs> Ted. Um, uh, would you say, is that fair, though? Yeah, the D-line, I think it is. The dominant D-line. Is. I'll give you one more, too. I think that watching Bobby Wagner in Seattle and watching Devin White at times in in Tampa, the linebacker speed when you reset when they when when they play the bootleg game and then you have the linebacker stop playing coverage and, and start to run after the quarterback, um, and you've got big time speed and you I mean look how much Wagner on those delayed blitzes bothered them a couple of years ago, you know, and all of a sudden he's just shooting gaps and and. And you know, playing instinctively, I, I don't think they're the uh, the linebacker blitzes, um, you know, especially from really heady linebackers. I think is is something that really bothers them as well. But or yeah, great defense. A linebacker line. like a linebacker like Fred Warner, who plays deep zone coverage and is just taking away every single intermediate throw over the middle. I mean, that's where the Niners live on offense. So I mean, I know that they have that guy. But if there were another one, like. The Lions well, tried to draft that guy this year, me, Jack Campbell. Who, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but he's They not, tried. He's 6'5". Yeah, he's 6'5". Yeah. But to me, yeah. you know, uh, remember the game against Kansas City? Look how dominating Willie Gay and Nick Bolton were in that game. Exactly. And those guys are second-level guys with speed. Yeah, and I think that's a big reason why Seattle brought back Bobby Wagner. Like, you can't be weak at linebacker against the Niners because they're yeah. tacking your linebackers in every single play. Uh, Tyler Caressley says, I agree, Larry, because Kyle and his lack of a development plan of a drop back passing game, this team lives on time of possession. It's true. It's a good point. Um, okay, let's we, we, we build this as the pros and cons of the Niners culture. Let's talk about the pros and cons of vacationing in Cabo with your best players. It's not all the players. It's your best players. And obviously, it's highly irregular. Let's start with the pros. What are they? Um. I think you get to show the, your humanity to your players, right? So, like, you know, do you did you we did we work uh, best for teachers that we feared? Mm, some kids did, but some kids did better when they were inspired or when the teacher was endearing. I think mm-hmm. Shanahan, there's a likability factor to Shanahan that I'm sure comes through to a lot of those players. And also, I think it gives him an ability to kind of make them more than just players. They're they're like players and roster and team consultants. And I'm not saying they're talking football all the time because I, I think I don't believe that's the case. But I think it you change the venue, you get away from the facility. Now I see you in a different light around your kids, around your wife, having a cocktail on a boat, whatever it is. And I think it's like when then you you mf me and tell me that my my film stinks, Debo. <laughs> Suddenly, I think Debo's there with you because you know what? Uh, Kyle's a re- Kyle's real, and 
you know, he's not a bad guy. I know that, but he, you know, just jumped down my, my S and is, is telling me where I'm effed up. You know what I mean? So I, I think there's some, um, communication leeway that you get when you're, when the players don't just respect you and fear you, but actually kind of like you and you're a little bit endearing to them. That's the pros. As I, I like that. It. I think there are more pros um, and not necessarily from a team perspective, but from a, from Kyle's perspective and not ne- just from a job security perspective, coaches get fired all the time. And frankly, he's lasted a lot longer than other coaches who haven't won a Super Bowl. He's doing good. But you always got to think about staying employed, and especially on a team that fired Jim Harbaugh with a 750 winning percentage. Like, you right. really have to think about this. So and he, he and does, Jim may have lost the room, you know? I don't know. We could talk about that a different time. That's what I'm I mean, trying to say. That's what I'm trying to say. So Kyle is making sure he doesn't lose the most important, highest paid players on the team. So if anything were to happen and there was some type of mutiny or the Yorks changed heart and they didn't like him anymore. They finally held him responsible for this quarterback ridiculousness. You'd have George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, all the guys who the Yorks write the fattest checks to walking into the office saying, what the hell is going on? I'm not playing for this team anymore. What are you doing? I mean, do the Yorks want that kind of smoke? I think Kyle Shanahan understands that and, and looks at them as like, you know, a buffer shields, Job security. You want Trent Williams on your side, obviously. Yeah. And not just Well, him. I mean, because, you, you know, you, you, there's the old saying, well, you can get rid of the coach a lot easier. You can get rid of all the players. Well, then, you know, yeah, but most players will just be like, all right, I, don't, I like the glass coach, but I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be a fan of the new coach because it's in my best interest to do so. What happened when Harbaugh got ran out of town? Justin Smith, retired. Patrick Willis, retired. I mean, that team was they were like, Tom Sula's our coach. I'm out. Out? You done? Out? You want to quit? You want to quit? You want to quit? All right, cool. Like, I think that's what Kyle's thinking here. Like, yeah, go ahead. Fire me. You don't like what I'm doing at quarterback? Okay. Well, let's let's see what George Kittle and Eric Armstead. Well, Eric Armstead doesn't go to Cabo. But let's see what the Cabo guys do if I'm not here. Debo. Debo's my friend. We talk about it, right? This is his friend. Debo's friend. How are you so confident you're going to work out this, this contract with Debo? Well, we're friends. Oh, okay. That's good. Well, I know people, that's funny. People ask all the time, you know, what do you think? Who's the receiver that's going to be here long-term? And I always think, well, push comes friends. to shove. Debo, Kyle loves Debo. And he loves, loves Debo as maybe even more than a player. Family. They go to Cabo together. And I don't know that they're talking about football. They're probably talking about other things. I'm telling you, I think it's, if I were Brandon Ayuk and I didn't get the invitation, maybe he did, but maybe I didn't get the invitation to Cabo. I'm thinking, yeah, I probably shouldn't buy a house in the Bay. I'm not going to buy a house in the Bay. Here's the one thing, though, about the about the Cabo thing. The one thing I always look for is do your players who are hurt make an effort to come back late in the year? And there were times on past teams with past coaches where Jimmy did guys guys were hurt and they just didn't come back. For the most part, I feel like the Niners seem like they get guys to come back. Now, Jimmy 2020, Jimmy 2020. (laughs) I think that sealed his fate, too. Everyone else did for the last two games. Okay, but let's do the cons now because we didn't do them all. Yeah. We didn't do any. And I think there are a lot of cons you need to talk about. Yeah. We need to talk about. So you start. Um, I think, I think you know, the cons are that when you like a player, it's hard to separate from that player. Um, I think also, you know, when you know you're going to have to face somebody up, you're mm-hmm. more apt to want to have, you know, do what you can do 
to make it a good relationship. And your job as the head coach is not to make a good relationship. It's to win Super Bowls. And um, I'm not saying that those things don't go hand in hand. They kind of do. But the Super Bowl part of it, you know, it, it, your relationships are important. But, um, but you know, you, they're also, there's a certain, I mean, the, you go to the greatest personnel people of all time. There's a certain coldness to Jimmy Johnson. There was a certain mm-hmm. coldness to Bill Walsh. You know, right. Randy Cross tells the story. Belichick. Walsh came Belichick. up to him and said, hey, you got about five good years left, but only mm-hmm. two of them will be here. Like, right. what? What? Sorry. Well, it's that kind of thing that I think Shanahan. Now, we did see a glimpse of it last year with Jimmy Ward, where he had a real hard conversation. He basically didn't want to. He wanted to play Jimmy Ward at the nickelback and not the free safety spot. I think it's just because he had another free safety. And it was there. It was the Niners best lineup to put Jimmy not at free safety. But Jimmy wanted to play free safety because free safeties make more than nickelbacks. And so Shanahan had to like basically broker that thing and tell him what the, what was up. And sometimes that's harsh. Um, so can you deliver harsh messages to guys you vacation with? That's the that's the question. I, I would I'm have. surprised he did it to Debo. Uh, I, I thought the answer would be no. But my other question was, what, what took you so long, man? You saw this during the season. How did it take you this long to deliver the message? And also, what's up with Trent Williams and him tipping plays? Uh, did you have the conversation with Trent? Or are you scared of Trent? I want to know what's going on there. So those are uh, some big cons. One more. I've heard people that really believe in Kyle. Um, Rich Eisen, Colin Cowherd. I've heard Colin Cowherd say this, that Kyle is the next Bill Belichick. Like, go back and look at Belichick's time in Cleveland. and He is the next Bill Belichick. He's not a defensive guy, but he's just as smart on offense and the same kind of dour personality, kind of lack of charisma and perceived negativity. Same exact thing. I've heard him say that. Okay, fair enough. Well, Bill Belichick created a specific culture in New England where he was extremely critical of every player on the team from Tom Brady down, right? That's what he did. Tom Brady allowed him, and that's what he created. Well, Kyle hasn't exactly done that because Bill Belichick wasn't going to Martha's Vineyard with Tom Brady and Wes Welker and Julian Edelman and and, and seven of the best players in the team and and being friends with them. Like Bill Belichick had no desire to be friends with his freaking players. Kyle seems like he's Bill Belichick with 46 players on his team, but the other seven... Eh. And that, that's not being Bill Belichick, man. That's a big difference. I see a Steve Kerr type situation with Kyle where he lets some of his players on his level. Say, Draymond. You know, Draymond, Steph, Steph, you know, Andre, Clay. Yeah. Clay you know, yeah. the old t- Kerr's not saying that he can't coach them hard. I'm sure that he does. I'm sure that he's real with them. Right. That's but he also gives them like a seat at the table. And I think that that's, you know, fair. I don't know. Did but, anybody but in Kerr's defense, was, he's treating them like champions. That's true. No one in Cabo is a champion, including Kyle. I'm, there's a difference. But I, it's, so you're right, dude. He sees himself as Steve and he sees that crew as the group of champions, but they're not. And it bugs me that they look at themselves that way. I don't, like I don't think Harbaugh had any player that he... Um, exalted yeah. to the status that Kyle probably uh, holds for his, let's say, top tier. I don't know. I don't know how many guys we're talking about. Six, ten. I'm sure whatever. Harbaugh had endless respect for Patrick Willis and Frank Gore, but he wasn't trying to be buddies with them. He, hey, Frank, let's go to say. Mexico. I don't think they had no. a say. Like Draymond has a say on who the Warriors are going to draft. I, I think true. there's, you know, 
I'm not saying the Niners ask their players who to draft, but I just think that their player committee is who he communicates with and who he, I don't want to say favors, but who he, um, he, you know, considers it. I mean, I think he's keenly aware that you have to keep the locker room on your side and that's his way of doing it is by having empowering them and giving them more of a seat at the table than most players. That's get. true. And he's also aware that he has the stigma of being like a nepotism guy like I do. And, and he's worked well against that. And when people say like, oh, he doesn't deserve his job or he's not a real leader, he's not a real head coach. People always counter with, then why do all his players like him? Why do so many play of his players like that's a good that's a good call. I mean, people don't have anything nice to say about Josh freaking McDaniels. So that's a big difference between those two. But just having, you know, your six most highly paid players in your pocket or on your side doesn't necessarily make you the next Bill Belichick or a champion. Well, I mean, like or Steve I, Kerr. I, yeah, I mean, Bill Walsh was as good a coach as there was. And you could talk to your dad it's about this. Throw. The Niners under Walsh would have at least one game, sometimes two games every year at home, usually in September where they just rolled their jocks out and were like, it was, they were flat as hell. I mean, unbelievably flat in early season games at home under Walsh many years there. The one thing I can say about Shanahan as I re- and I really feel this way watching it. I feel like his team balls out. I feel like his team shows up. They play with energy. They fly around. Um, I don't know if that was Sala or D'Amico because you see it maybe manifests itself after on the defense. But they, this, I, I have, there's not been one game in the Shanahan regime where at the end of the game I felt like, man, that was just a lackluster energy, a lackluster effort. I do feel like his teams bring energy, and that to me is part of the game. His defenses bring energy, and I think that's, that's why I, I, I feel like Saints one reason game. that D'Amico and Sure, sure. But I feel like one reason like D'Amico and Sala got hired as head coaches so quickly is because they get a lot of credit for this team. I mean, the defense is better than the offense. Kyle has nothing to do with the defense other than, you know, recommending that they take defensive players. Like, that's almost like a co-head coach on that side of the of the ball. And the Niners sort of win and lose based on how that side is doing. So anyway, that's sort of a tangent, but no pressure, Steve. Keep it going. Wilkes. I'm talking about. Yeah, and Wilkes, by the way, when I asked Wilkes the question this week about, I said, what's this defense on the back end going to look like differently than the D'Amico uh, defense or the solid defense? Fewer explosives. And, and, and I thought I thought for sure he would have taken like the high road and be like, hey, you know, they were number one, uh, number one against the run, Fewer number explosives. one overall, and we just hope to keep that rolling. No, it was like this team gave He's up right, too many too. explosive plays last year. This team did He's not right. come away with enough interceptions last year. We need to improve wow. in these categories. And it's like, it was almost like we were hearing what he told Lynch and Shanahan and Peters to get the job. Like, I can improve it. You know, yeah. I respect it. You guys because are here, right. man. I can take you here. They gave up way too many explosive plays last they year did. for a defense that was supposed to be the best in the league. So I'm with you on that. Drewbert89 says, picture a bee that bumps into every part of the window except the open part. That's how I feel as a fan. Stoked when it finally flies through. <laughs> the bouncing <laughs> bee. Off I like that. Tyler Caresley says, Larry, do you think the Niners are too sentimental? Um, No, I don't. I don't. I mean... um, I really i i don't i don't know i don't think there's room in football for sentimentality. I really don't. I agree with I that. I Don't really think there's any room but for it. They really like keeping this team together. They really don't. Yeah, want to but break I mean, up like, who's the who's the player who you could say you know it's 
very popular to keep him, but he really is not that effective. Like if they had Kyle brought check. Okay, but I mean Kyle Huschek's a Pro Bowl football. I was gonna say, like, if they had brought Robbie Gold back this okay, year. Okay, okay, okay. Then Robbie yeah. had been kind of ordinary in the middle of his adoring was, fans. Yeah, because like, hey, you know what? We like Robbie, and you know, but they didn't. They they brought in the rookie with the Thunder Leg, and we'll see if it all works out. So I, I don't know. I I Thunder Leg I, Moody. <laughs> he, what a boom. What would how would you have on that punt? Then that, that field goal. 63. Some people thought it was 58. I had 63. Either way, that's sixty. But either way, I just thought it was funny the, the day before he missed a thirty-eight yarder, and the Niners were like, "Okay, okay, we're gonna change this narrative, right? Are you kicking a yeah. sixty-three yarder today? All right, cool, let's do it." Yeah, and it was good. No it would have been good from like probably seventy. I didn't know he could do that. I mean, Shout out to Jake Moody. That's homer. impressive. Anyways, four ten over here. I got to get out of here. Uh, this was a good show. We got six weeks to kill. Six weeks, Larry. <laughs> yeah, seriously, love to have you on the chan- on on my channel later this week. We'll do let's something. Do it. And uh, tonight I'm on, I'm going to be doing a live stream after Warriors or Warriors after uh, NBA finals game five. I think it and ends tonight. I just tonight. say real quick, real quick before I leave, uh, yeah. me and my friends went to the Giants game on Saturday. Nice. What do you think? We, I, we was fun. I mean, we bought Where? tickets Where'd to sit right, right behind first base. We splurged. Okay. It was fun. What it level? Was, it was a day game. First Lowest level? level? 11th, 11th uh, row. First okay. level. Right behind nice. first base. Um, Cubbies. Didn't realize that that the Cubs pitcher was throwing a, a no no until the seventh inning, but I did realize it, and I told all of everyone around me. So that was cool. Game was like two hours and fifteen minutes. It was a great time. Although it would have been nice if the Giants had like played Casey Schmidt. What the hell? I was looking forward to that. I really had to watch Brandon Crawford again. He's hitting one ninety. Enough. Retire. What was the final score in the game? Four nothing. Four to nothing. Ugh. Here's another thing I don't like. Okay. They go with an opener to start the game. Six right. up, six down. They pull him, bring in some other guy. Home run, hit by pitch. Like, oh, he doesn't have it. Gives up four runs in three innings. Sit him, go to Manaya. He's great. Like, what was the point of that freaking middle guy? Kapler, are you just going to stand there and watch him suck? What are you doing? What does Kapler do, Larry? Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's like a plan that was planned like seven weeks ago. Like, It's not it, working. Yeah. What? Take I mean, him out. Imagine, what are you doing? Could you imagine if you started with a quarterback, he threw three touchdowns in the first quarter, and you're like, you know what? Let's find out Take about the out. other quarterback. He's and only a first sudden, quarter quarterback. Yeah. And then Meanwhile, sudden, Bruce Bochy's kicking butt. Dusty ba- Baker just won a championship, and you got Gabe Kapler? What are you doing? I know. With his hand tattoo. He has a hand tattoo? Oh, he's got a hand tattoo. Kapler's oh, a piece of work, man. I would pay Gabe. money. I would pay so much money to have, to have you imported into the giant post game and just ask Kapler just the most crippling questions. I couldn't like, believe it, man. How smart do you have like, to be? Dig in like your dad used to dig in on Harbs. Just like, um, let me just follow up on that, Gabe. Uh, let me just, <laughs> why did you go with this guy? And then I've got a, I've got a two-part question. That's always great. When I used to love when people that annoy the coach ask a two-part question yeah like see when you're done I'm, I'm coming back i'm not done with you when you answer your question <laughs> i got a two-parter all right watch larry tonight after the giants game uh, i'll be back tomorrow with my dad tuesday nice. cone zone see you guys in thanks everyone